Would you mind if I performed a rectal exam? Is what he said to me. My first response was... A rectal exam. A rectal. Rectal, as in butt. As in, yes. Ass. Yeah. My, my first response was, well, yes, I'd mind. I, I, I prefer, you know, I don't really want to, but if you need to do it, go ahead. So I'm at the doctor's surgery mm-hmm. and I'm complaining of some stomach problems and a few different things like that, a little bit of weight loss, and so he's decided to go to the digital rectal examination. Now. Yeah, now. Can it's we, like bang. Can we book it in next week? No, yeah. we're on. We're on. So I think I tried to, straight away, I tried to sort of add in the humour element by saying, well, yes, I do mind, but if you need to. But he was giving me nothing. If you must. Yeah, he was giving me nothing. You know the doctor? Well? Well, I've been to him a few times. Okay. So he walked away, uh, starts putting on the latex glove and says, look, take, take off your trousers. So he puts on the latex glove and I turn around and so I've taken my trousers down and I've put my oh, hands God. onto the bed into the doctor's surgery and he's turned around and it must have looked like, like <laughs> a, just a giant flamingo. You were like presenting yeah, yourself. Yeah, a flamingo presenting to him. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He goes, you need to lie on the bed. You need to lie on your side. Were well, you this. like on all fours? Well, I was sort of standing up but with my hands on the bed. <laughs> <standing up. laughs> oh, look, I'm just not an experienced. Like spread eagle. Yeah, all that. yeah. I don't know how we do this. Talk me through it, Doc. He's like... Uh, no, you need, you need to go onto your side. He should have given you clear, explicit instructions. Well, but just prior to that, I also said to him, oh, this is a great way to finish off your Friday. It was like a Friday afternoon. Gave me nothing. <laughs> Did he do the whole glove on the hand very, in a sort of yeah, expressive yeah. The, kind of... Well, I don't know if it was expressive. You know he, how... He, okay. he put the glove on with the... the yeah. And with that sort of look, like sort of uh, I wasn't, horror movie Well, I wasn't style. watching him so closely because I was... My heart rate had gone up slightly for what was about to happen. I was sort of focused on what I was doing. You were concentrating on dilating your ass. <laughs> and so he's put me onto the he's put me he's put, he's put me onto the side. Yeah. And then he said to me, "Okay, I'm just about to enter. I'm just about to enter your. I'm anus. about to enter you." And I thought, "I know. I'm well aware of, of where your your hand is placed <gasps> at the moment. <laughs> where your hand where your hand is placed at the moment." Uh, he goes, "Okay." Now we're going. We're going to insert, and then straight away he says, straight away he says, "This is gold." Oh, oh, hemorrhoids. Oh, what? That's what he said. Oh my oh, god! And, and I'm putting my shirt over my head. <laughs> he can't cope. He can't cope. And it was. It reminded me of um, I don't know Ben Stiller in something about Mary. Have you ever seen something about Mary when he's in the toilet and he zips his. He's oh. going into his fly, and they rush him out on the hospital gurney, and they go, "We're going to bleed it." <laughs> That's yes. It reminded me of that. That was his response. Oh, we've got hemorrhoids. So he's he's fished around in there for a while, and straight away oh, it's what? it's it's like um, it's not realizing too that this is something that females go through regularly, going to the gynecologist. Yeah. Um, but as a male, we're not used to having these kind of probes in you know into ourselves. No. <laughs> have you ever had this done before? No, I, I have not had anything like this done before. Is that why you're struggling uh, to talk about it? I'm just, I'm sort of just shocked. I can really see you lying on that mm. table, mm. getting it wrong in terms of the position. And then, but, but then for things to go kind of so terribly wrong with the, the discovery of the hemorrhoids. Well, hemorrhoids. Well, hemorrhoids comes from the Greek and it just means bleeding veins. Yeah, right. And three and four adults at some point will get hemorrhoids. Is it exposed kind of veins? Um, not yes, within your, within your, not the right word is canal. 
It's just it's just I, the, the vine the veins are protru- are swollen basically, and it can come from a few different reasons. One is being pregnant, which I'm not. Sitting on cold concrete floors is the old the old. Don't, don't sit true. on that step; you'll get hemorrhoids. Or piles. You know piles. Piles is the other word. Is that the same thing? Is yes, that a synonym? Same, same thing. Same thing. I'm learning so much. You can also get it from like diarrhea, constipation, those type of things. But you can also get it from heavy lifting. So I think. I'm going to run with that's why I've got it from, from you do, heavy lifting. You do a lift a lot. Uh, so he does the examination. Once we finish... I'm reeling, I'm reeling. We talk I'm about rectally few, reeling. We, we talk about a few different things. Uh, and then he decides that I should go and have a colonoscopy as well. Wow. So, so, he, write, so he writes me in a referral. The colonoscopy is also known... I wonder known, I'd never go to the doctor. It's also known as the silver stallion. Have you heard that expression before? So the colonoscopy, colonoscopy, colonoscopy is called a silver stallion. Correct. So you write, a big giant silver dildo that they put in your ass. What's interesting is why this is such a taboo topic for us. Yes. When, when as I said, it's like three and four adults will experience this. It's three a, out of four. Mm. I didn't listen to you. I sort of tune yeah. out when you do stats. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell. Uh, but we don't talk about it, particularly. As, judging by your reaction, it's almost like this sort of shock no. and horror when, in fact, it, it's quite a common thing. Yeah. And it's just the position in the body that somehow makes us not want to discuss it. The taboo around particular... Yeah, if it was in your ear, if you had hemorrhoids in the ear, that would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that would be. Uh, so, he... <laughs> So he writes me a referral to Dr. Boyd. Dr. Boyd. Dr. Boyd, we're going to call him Dr. Boyd, for a colonoscopy, right? Um, So that's the check for bowel cancer or any other sort of gross within... within. This is where they put, like, basically a GoPro up your butt. A little bit smaller than a GoPro. Yeah. Well, they're very small these days. It's actually a 12-millimetre camera in diameter. Right. That is inserted um, along with hot... Air or air is also inserted into the bowel. Did he talk you through it? Like, not really. He mm. just sort of said, "This is what we're going to do." Whoa, hemorrhoids! Whoa, uh, and then decided to go for the referral to the colonoscopy to Doctor Boyd for the potential of having some sort of cancerous growth or something in your body. Because well. uh, what they're looking for is polyps. Polyps, yeah. In your bowel, and they can become cancerous. So that's what they're. That's what they're. Yeah, what the polyps are. No, they just have to call polyps that become cancer. That's all I know about what they're Right. Uh, interesting, though. In Australia, there's 4,100 deaths a year from bowel cancer. It's the third highest cancerous, third highest death rate from for, cancer. For men? For men and women. Right. We don't hear much of it. Firstly, there's no celebrity ambassadors for bowel cancer. It's not something that, that celebrities are clamouring to... It's to, not the glamorous cancer, no. is it? Would you do it? Would you be a, a, a celebrity ambassador for bowel cancer? <laughs> um, I think I've got the ass for it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a study by University of Melbourne mm. that people with a high potential of having bowel cancer due to genetics have been less likely to have screenings. So that's, they, they just, they Those just, with the higher genetic propensity to yep. get bowel cancer... Yes, due to family history are less likely to get checks. Yeah. Wow. And is that because they don't want to know the, not the inevitable, but that's what, what the, they're more likely to? That's what they're exploring. I get the referral from my doctor to go and see Dr. Boyd for, for a colonoscopy. 
Then I do nothing for two months. So he gave me paperwork to fill out to send off to my, to off to the specialist, off to Dr. Boyd. You just sat on your ass. Well, on your hemorrhoids. You sat on your hemorrhoids. <laughs> At times. Do you feel them when you sit down? Uh, wasn't too bad. Wasn't. Too, I didn't notice that much. Do you notice them, like when? Well, you, I think I'd perhaps got used to them. Like when you wipe your butt or when you uh, sit. Or... Occasionally, sometimes you'd notice that. Yeah. I don't know. I just didn't notice. I did, just become quite normalised. However, I was feeling. I didn't. Do you get like anything on? Sorry, this is very intimate, graphic, but um, yeah, like when you wipe your butt, is there? You can like... get internal and external hemorrhoids. So you can get them internally, and then they can also come out externally on occasion. But they don't. Right. They're not, I don't think they're a fixed state. They kind of they swell up and go down. And... I've always had like this weird childhood fear about hemorrhoids. I think. Now when I think it's all about come, it. it's all coming. Yeah, out. it's like you're, you're you're probing this deep unconscious childhood fear that I had. It, it has had that because parents would say, "Don't do this," and the cold step thing, or sitting on cold concrete, or, or you'll get hammer. And I'm like, "What is that?" What? And it's always been laughed about socially, like big aliens protruding at your ass. That yes. was kind of my childhood. That, that wasn't happening, no. No, but it has always been laughed about too, though, hasn't it? The joke about hemorrhoids or piles and those type of things. Yeah. That creates this fear or phobia that you have about... Uh... <laughs> I didn't realise I had such a problem with this. Two months I waited. Um, and I kept on getting texts from the, my, my, my doctor's surgery saying, have you followed up, have you booked in for this appointment? And eventually I thought, right, I need to, I need to do something about this. So I, took, I filled out all the forms I needed to fill out. I took them to work and I thought, right, I'm not going to post it. I'm going to drive and drop them off, the forms. To the... the to the specialist, to Dr. The Boyd's offices. Yeah. I get in the car after work one day and I pick it up and I look at the address and it was 25 metres away <laughs> from where I worked. Oh, really? Why do males put things... Well, it's a generalisation, but generally males seem to put off things to do with their health. They do. Now, there's a... Some interesting stats about this as well, mm-hmm. about that, that women generally live longer than men. Yeah, five it or six years? Depends on which country you're in. Yeah, true. So there's biological reasons. In Australia, it's about five years, I think. In countries like the USA, it's six and a half years. Yep. Uh, France, it's nearly eight years. UK, five years. The Russians, uh, women live for 12 years longer. Do they really? Than the men. Okay. In India, it's only seven months on average that women live longer and in Bangladesh it's only one month right there's some discussion around beyond the biological reasons what are the social reasons that these things vary across culture and across countries yeah I mean that very variation points to the different cultural and social factors involved that it's not just a biological reality right and one argument is yeah the, the cultural story about masculinity about being tough yeah. About not admitting that something's wrong. Yeah. And also there's been studies which have shown about not telling the truth of the doctors as well. Yeah. That males have found it challenging to actually be honest about their symptoms. I read some research that um, looked at how the, the gender of the doctor changed the disclosure practices of men. So men... Um, this is an Australian piece of research, and it found that men... Um, Trusted or or were wanted more to go to male doctors because they they were perceived to be more competent, but when they went to male doctors, they were more 
they were less likely to disclose around what the, this research categorised as embarrassing um, types of chronic conditions. Like hemorrhoids, yeah. bowel complaints, mental health issues. Diarrhoea, yeah, depression, anxiety, exactly, all those things, yeah. And I must admit, I've been in those moments in doctor's surgeries where I have sort of underestimated something. It's like, how long has this been going on for? Oh, a little while. So you feel like you reflect, like, was that to a male doctor? Yeah, I'd say so, yeah. Yeah, so it's interesting. So the, the whole argument isn't along the lines of, you know, the whole cultural scripts of mm. around masculinity, mm. as you say, about being self-reliant and tough, you know, embodied in those um, phrases like, you know, man up, um, uh, you know, be a, what's it, be a bloke or... No, that's not right. We don't say be a bloke. No, not generally. No. Hey, you, be but, a bloke. Interestingly, though, it's the criticism that men cop over the man cold perhaps reinforces some of these things about men not wanting to disclose their health. So on one one side we've got saying that the research says that men generally will not go to medical practitioners perhaps when they should or they'll delay talking about their symptoms and then also underplay them. Yes. Then they they get a cold and and they they... cop criticism left, right and centre for overreacting. (laughs) Now, I've... There is some evidence that the man flu is real, isn't it? That the that the way men respond to uh, immune disorder, immune problems, and viruses is is actually slightly different. And there's some different arguments that suggest that there is perhaps some truth to it. But and anyway, was that study carried out by men? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I get in the car. I take my forms to Doctor Boyd's office. I walk in there. There's two ladies sitting behind the. The counter, those really high counters that you get in those mm. doctor's surgery, I think it's for privacy to see. You can't see what's going on down in the counter. But they're abnormally high. And then you just sort of see their disembodied head almost. But down below, you're kind of up high. They're sitting down and... Oh, right, yeah. So yeah, I walk yeah. in and they're working away, toiling away, and they open up the forms and they start looking at them. They're like, oh, right, so yes, you're going to have a colonoscopy. Yeah, okay. And you've got uh, rubber band ligation as well, potentially. Sorry? Ooh, yeah. What, what's that? Like, Rubber oh, band ligation. ligation. Which is a way of removing hemorrhoids. Oh. Yeah, I don't, not, he didn't actually mention that in the consultation. They booked me in, so it's about two months waiting time to get in. And interestingly, I'm not going to meet the doctor before the procedure. I, I don't think I've ever had that before. So there was no consultation. It was like, we're just going to go, you just go straight in and you'll meet in the surgery. Uh, so I walk away from there. Don't think about it too much. I'm giving I'm giving instructions about what I need to do to prepare for the colonoscopy. Yep. Don't think about it for another five weeks and three days. Interestingly, though, asking at work for time off, so I had to ask for the for the day off out of sick leave. And I just felt that hesitation explaining what I was doing. I, I'm going in for I'm going in for a procedure. Yeah. And, and it made me think, why, again, why, why is this such a, why is there so much social so much anxiety about declaring this? The social stigma around the anus, isn't it? Mm. The, within these cultural scripts of masculinity, which is about, yeah, self-reliance and being tough and strong and putting, putting up with it. and Not realising that you're doing it as well. Yeah. This process made me think about this. I, tried, I think I'm reasonably open to ideas... And thinking about things, and I still had all these reluctances or even telling people about it. It's almost like these sorts of social structures like masculinity 
you know, they live and breathe deep within us, like almost unconsciously. My mother was the person who always took me to the doctor. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, and no, I think it was my mum. I remember my mum would always take me to the dentist. Actually, any, yeah, I had to go to a, I used to have, go to the podiatrist. I had some feet problems. Yeah, it was always, it was always moderated through, through my mum. And so you're not getting a, a male role model about how to interact with, with health practitioners. Yeah. Do you take your kids to the doctor? I haven't yet. I take them to the hairdresser. <laughs> of course you do. Of course That's you do. That's our male bonding. Yeah, of course you do. Don't worry about your health kids, but... They... I deal with the important <laughs> things. I let mum deal with the not so important things. Yeah. yeah. But I, I actually need to take um, my eldest son to the dentist. and But, yeah, all the, the kids, have, you know, like when they get their injections, their vaccinations... Um, yeah, mum has done that. Uh, my partner has done that. So, yeah, but I, I'm keen to get involved because I think you're. I think you're right. I mean, all this stuff about men being reluctant to go to the doctor, and we're not we're not having it modelled to us and, through and, our fathers and perhaps or we other were, male role perhaps, models in our life. And perhaps when we were younger, it was that the mother was fussing, or that the, 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 it was it was framed that the mother was fussing over you too much, perhaps. Taking you to the doctor is, an, is a... You're yeah. overreacting to yeah, that yeah. symptom and you're he's taking... Fine. The, he's fine. He's you fine. You don't need he'll, to. He'll be, yeah. he'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I never, I never really thought of that. I guess that is, you know, an extension of that caring role that is so... Which we know that women um, do the lion's share of. And it makes me think back to when he first wanted to do the, the rectal examination, the fact that I just wanted to make jokes. Yeah. I mean, that's partly to offset the embarrassment, isn't it? Mm, but that was my default position. You without, without even without even consciously being aware of it. You're a bit. You're a funny guy. Yeah, sometimes. Other times, not so much. I so I get the preparation. I don't look at it for five weeks and three days. So two days before the. <laughs> funnily enough, I thought I was quite organised because I went to the chemist two days before. I was due to have the surgery to get this preparation that I needed to have the, the colonoscopy. In other people's world, that would have been quite unorganised, but I felt like, oh, two days, give myself a day's grace. Ooh. So I walk into, the, walk into the chemist and there's a sheet and it hands over and says, you don't need a prescription, this is what you need to get. So a remedy for haemorrhoids, you can get a cream in the early stages. And it's aptly named Anisole, ah. the cream that you get for it. So it's always, a, I'd say, an interesting experience to go and buy the Anisole from the chemist, but I've come up with some other names that they could potentially use. Instead of anusol, some of the ones I've come up with is rectal recovery, <laughs> hemorrhoid helper, aspirin. Aspirin. Or my favourite, the vein restrainer. Oh, they are good. They are good. The girl I hand over the form to, which says what I need to get, she's young, you know, one of those young pharmacy types. Yep, girls. Her working in there, and she goes away. And she comes back, and she's a little bit stressed. She's asking me questions, and I, I'm. So, What's this for, sir? She's like, and I'm like, well, it's just like. Is this for the silver stallion? This is what this is what it says. On you the, prepping for the silver stallion, sir? This is what it says on the form. You know, this is what this, this is all. This is all I know. She goes and gets the old guard, someone in the chemist, the the, the, the quasi professional, to come over and have a look. She goes, yes, I know exactly what you know, exactly what you need. 
she looks at it, and while she's while, while she's getting the stuff, she sort of turns up the side of her mouth as though she's holding a cigarette in one side of her mouth, and she sort of leans over to me and she goes, "Don't leave the house." <laughs> and there was this kind of reassuring nod, where it's like, "I wasn't planning on taking these massive laxatives and le- and leaving the house." <laughs> oh, that's what they are, right? She goes and gets the stuff. And then she just starts talking. There's ten people in the in the chemist. She starts talking to Missy, walking over, and she and she's looking at the form, and we're walking her through the chemist, and she's like, "Oh, Doctor Boyd, he's fantastic. Ah, oh, he's fantastic. His work yeah. is brilliant." Yeah, and I'm feeling reasonably okay. Like I'm feeling a little self conscious about what I'm getting and what I'm doing, but I was okay. She was talking away. Doctor Boyd, yeah, he took out my gallbladder. <laughs> he's fantastic. It's like, great, great. That's great. It's great. We walk over to the counter. There's about four people at the counter. She just continues. Oh, no. My husband had this about six months ago. He took this stuff and he sat there for half an hour and he said, this is not working. Ten minutes later, he jumped up. There's about ten people listening to this story. You're joking. He he jumped up from the couch and he came back and he said, it's working. (laughs) And I was just like... "Mm." He's like, is this actually (laughs) happening to me? Am I, I like, on a reality TV show? Great. Yep, you like a bag? Yes, please. And I want to get the fuck out of here. (laughs) By that stage, it was like, I want... Was that a random punter in the chemist who was telling the stories about... Or was that the... No, this is the lady serving me. The young girl? No, the old... The 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 veteran. The veteran. The vet. The the veteran. Ah. She's seen it all. Seen it all. So she was being lovely, trying to help sort of... Just normalising what's going on. Absolutely. The same way that you would talk about getting... I don't know. What's a normal medical procedure? A colonoscopy? Yes. Which we're <laughs> normalising it. She, uh, so, I t- I, and when, I t- when I walk out of the chemist, I look at the forms and then it, I realise there's instructions there which say three to four days before a colonoscopy, you've got to stop eating certain foods. Ah. So I'm two days prior. So I hadn't looked at the form so- soon enough. Uh-huh. So after that, I, I follow strictly what it says. So the day before the colonoscopy... It tells you what to have and you have a light breakfast. Because what they're trying to do, I, the way I like to think about it, if they're trying to clear you out like cleaning your windscreen. Yes. So they can actually see inside your bowel. They're trying to clear out your bowel like the windscreen. That's a very evocative metaphor. Thanks with, for with, that. With water, squirting yeah. across, so they can sort of put their nose Clean up. as a whistle. Nose up to the, the glass window of the bowel and look at it with the camera. So lunch, clear fluids only. Dinner, uh, like this sort of broth thing that you can only eat. So by this stage, you're getting hungry. This is the day before the, the procedure. You're getting hungry. And then at 7 o'clock, you have the, the, the sachet in a glass of water. It's a lemony taste thing, and it tastes like shit. It really is not very nice. Okay. Then you have to drink three glasses of water. After about two hours, you start to feel some rumblings in your stomach. So, And I, and I went to the toilet. That was Okay. Surprised that I slept through the night. So I, the idea of that whole thing is to encourage a massive bowel movement. Absolutely, to evacuate clear, to clear the bowel so they can see what's going on. Yeah, uh, I had to get up at six o'clock the next morning and take and take the next sachet. Still feeling, oh, like I'm not going to go to the toilet, but okay. And then about seven o'clock, it all began. Oh. It really, it really just total release of your bowel. At nine o'clock, I had to take another sachet of this horrible tasting stuff. And then from there until my appointment at 1.30, there was a lot of time spent on the toilet, probably another hour, hour and a half in total spent on the toilet, just absolutely was it clearing out your bowel. uncomfortable? Like and After a while, no. just became quite... Wa- it became, became like water. It was like diarrhoea, sort of. Yeah. 
Yeah. Just loose. Just, just became became yeah. like water. Yeah, yeah. Cramping? Not really. Okay. A little bit, but not really. But then you're starving though. I haven't really eaten for 30, 30 odd hours. I haven't eaten like a solid meal for 30 hours. So you're really hungry. And then you're also um, dehydrated. Yeah. Totally dehydrated. Do so, they say to really keep up the waters? Yeah. They, keep t- they tell you to keep drinking water. Yeah. So a little agitated. Yeah. Starting, starting to feel a little agitated. And it's like you don't go up without food very often. You're not used to it. No. And it's like, oh, right. It really, it really knocks you around. So my partner, she drives me down to the... Drives me down to the hospital, um, drops me off. Go go to the lift, third floor. Um, How are you feeling? How's the stomach? Agitated. How's the butt? The the, the, the stomach's feeling agitated. Agitated. Yes. And my mood. You're agitated. And I'm agitated. It's a world of agitation. I pop in the lift and I run. You're like a washing machine on. On my stomach's like a washing machine. Yeah. Yeah. I hop in the lift. I want to make an agitation joke. You're agitating me by talking when I'm trying to talk about getting in the lift. Sorry. Get back to the lift. <laughs> I hop in the lift. I'm with you. Agitated. In the stomach. <laughs> and the mind. Like a washing machine. I'm just taking you back there. And there was a guy in the lift that I knew. Oh, Not a great God. time to make small talk. I wish so it was the lady from The Chemist again. Would have been great to see her. Great to see you again. Great to see you. Uh, so, yeah, just not really want to make small talk. Because you feel as though you've sort of lost... Control, not, you know, they feel like I, I could need to go at any minute. I'm really? not at my best right not now, best. sir. Jump in the thing, th- lift up to the third floor for the colonoscopies. He gets out on the second floor. It's like, see you later. It's like, what a relief. Yeah. Get out, third floor, walk around. Uh, I can't really see anyone. There's a sign saying colonoscopy, walking around. Was it and, dark? And then there's, <laughs> you know, I was walking in the light. And there's a sign which says colonoscopies moved to the second floor. Oh, no. So go back in the lift, get out of the lift, walk in, and there's the guy. He's obviously, and he's Dr. Boyd. No, <laughs> but he's there as well. So maybe he was having the same procedure and going through the same thing I was. Uh-huh. I don't know. I sit down. You didn't talk about it? No, I didn't want to talk. You're blokes after all. I didn't want to talk. You don't talk about this stuff. I sit down for about five minutes and the nurse comes out and gets me bang on time. Like right, 1.30. Right at 1.30. Takes me through. They're efficient. Into, into an office. Uh, quite, quite, it was quite dark. I had a one window. Quite a dark sort of. Wasn't that nice a space? And she turns it back to me, and she's just filling out forms, flat out asking me questions, asking me. It was the first of many times asking me, "What are you having done today?" And I'd say it must be part of a medical protocol to ask the patient what they're having done. So I'm so hungry and agitated. I don't know. I said I'm not in my cognitive I best said, right now. I'm having a colonoscopy and I'm having a... Can you spell that for me? <laughs> it's hard to spell. As yeah. is hemorrhoids. Well, would be. I'm having a uh, ligation band on my hemorrhoids. Pardon? I'm having a ligation bands on my hemorrhoids. Even saying it out loud was hard. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. writes that down. We go through the procedure of, of um, being admitted. I said to her, how long am I going to need off after this? She goes, what are you having done again? Oh, it's like, colonoscopy. She goes, yeah. And I said, and the uh, the ligation, the bands on the on the uh, hemorrhoid, just oh, oh, two days, oh, yeah, two days. That starts to fill me with a little bit of dread. Yes. <laughs> then I said, what is it? Like, what are they actually? You didn't know until this. No one had told you what it was. No, because I had no consultation with the surgeon. My first doctor hadn't really explained it either. You hadn't googled it. I hadn't really paid attention. <laughs> wow. She goes, and this is the way she described you're going to love this picture. She said, it's like a lamb's tail. And they remove lamb's tails and they put rubber bands on there which cut off the circulation. And they drop off. And they drop off. 
Or like when they put rubber bands around bulls' testicles mm. and they drop off. Yep. Mate, was That's it? next year. <laughs> it was a great uh, visual picture that, they, that she painted. It's like, okay, I, I get that. Yeah. I moved from there straight through. I'm handed over to another, another nurse. Importantly, before I left the nurse who admitted me, I asked her how it would take. She said, oh, it's, it's about half an hour. Right. I really meant, I didn't really know how long the procedure went. I meant, how am I going to be here for? Yeah. Because already I was thinking, I don't want to be here any longer than, than I need to be. And she said, this final piece of advice, which would come back later, was when you wake up, you're going to feel like you want to go to the toilet. Oh. But you won't need to. And I was like, hmm. Because okay. we have sealed your ass over. <laughs> well, because at that point she was actually asking me about my stools as well. She was saying, uh-huh. and there was a chart on the wall which had a stool different, chart. Yep, which had different colours. Oh, I remember. Yeah, right. And so, in order to be admitted to the thing, you had to be at a certain point where it was like we knew to the top. It was really clear. The only time I've seen that was when um, I remember when our first son was born, and when the first stages when they're having their, you know, they have is it the meconium, the first poo? It's this dark. Uh, stool. I didn't know what it was called. Yeah, and and then after it changes, and they and they just to basically reassure you that it, that this is what normal poo looks like. And I've I never thought so much about poo. So you're in this whole world of thinking about poo in a way that you've never thought about before. Well, and assessing it as well. Yeah, assessing it. And to be honest, I may have bent the truth a little bit and said yes, I'm there when I wasn't really quite there. About. I was close. It was like a, it's like a, a colour palette of shit <laughs> going from dark through to, like, urine colour. It was like about yeah. six different yeah. things. Six and, beautiful and, shades and, of shit. And I wasn't quite there to where I was supposed to be, but I was, I uh, was there. I was going to... Is this in your pre-evacuation poo? Like, pre-surgery poos? Yes. Before I came, she was saying, last time I went to the toilet, what colour was it? Yeah. And I sort of bent the truth a little bit and said, well, yes, I'm there when I wasn't. It was oh. close. It was clear, but so it was. So you're still trying to perform this kind of poo impression management at this stage. You're still what? trying to appear in a good light with your poo. This is how important face work is. Let, well. Let's call it poo, poo work, <laughs> ass work, maintaining a good impression. This was not continues about, even with our poo. This was not about this impressions. Deeply held these values. This was about. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get up. I'm gonna go. This was about, I don't want to go through this again. I don't want to come back. It's like, don't send me away. You're lying about your poo. Don't send me away. So I got out of there. I'm on to the next stage. <laughs> the nurse comes to me and says, right, you need to put this gown on. Go in this cubicle and pop this gown on. <laughs> this gown. <laughs> I, like, right, reasonably simple, but I had about four or five ties. I've never put it on before. Yeah. She, she comes, back, comes back very quickly. Like It's a very efficient type yeah. thing. She comes very quickly. And I'm just sort of half in it. I've still got my tracks. I've still got my tracksuit bottoms on, and she has to actually help me put it on. At this stage, you were failing as a patient. I you was. lied about your poo well, and you your can't get that is, gown your on. Your stomach is so upset. I think uh. it's, sure it's drawing some energy away from my brain. So I'm trying and to tie. Because you wouldn't have had any. You have to take off your 
like gruds and you just yeah. But at that point, did you think you were going to shit yourself in the? We thing? have that kind of feeling a little bit. It make you. And feel when I first went in there, when I first went there, she said, "Oh, the toilets over there." She pointed out where the toilets were as soon as I, oh, as soon as I walked God. in. I'm feeling anxious listening to this. So she came in, and then I was like, oh, "I'm still, I'm still not right. I have to get the trousers off." And then so she kind of helped me fix up the, the thing, and I got the trousers off. Then she took me through to this uh, and hopped on a bed, uh, and she left. But it was a new space, and she didn't tell me where the toilet was relative to this new space that she'd moved me into, which is kind of just pre-surgery, a pre-surgery right. session. So I'm lying there for oh a while, God. and then I feel the urge. Don't tell me. <laughs> Don't tell me. Then I feel the urge to go to the toilet, and it's like, well. Is it real? What, what do I is do? What real? do I do here? Am I too close to going in? She told me I was next. Am I too close Shit. to go? Am I too close to go? To, am I too close to go? Am I too close to my surgery to go to the toilet? I'm right there with you. Then I also thought, having perhaps not told the absolute truth on the pre-shit assessment, <laughs> that it's going to come back it to might bite not, me. It might not be a bad thing to go to the toilet. And then I was thinking about the surgeon. I was thinking, right, so what are they going to see if I if I don't go to the toilet? Is this going to be like a like a, a, a shit fountain during the during the during, during, so we can't work with this during the procedure. So I decided to get up. So then I'm walking around, just walking around in a hospital gown. He's confronting with no clothes underneath. Yeah. I'm feeling quite exposed. Yeah, yeah. Excuse me, where's the toilet? So I go into the toilet in there, and then I finally hit shit nirvana and get the clear. Oh, yes. So it finally comes out to that point, and I felt a little bit relieved. It's like, oh, okay. I'm, 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 where, I'm where I'm supposed I'm to be. I'm where I need to be. What I did think about, though, is I wouldn't like to be the cleaning crew who gets the colonoscopy unit <laughs> <laughs> every time. It's like, not no. level two again. Nightmare. I come out of the toilet. Shit, man. I'm lying, on the, I'm lying on the hospital bed. I've got a curtain around me, and there's like a little, it's like a two-metre gap between the side of the curtain and the wall. And I'm just watching this sort of show walk back, back and forth. It's like nurses walking past. It's almost like... Like a, a lady walking, like a pregnant lady walking past, then four people carrying towels walking past one way, and then walking back the other way is like the nurse carrying the baby, the towels. It was like this whole sort of things are playing out across this little two metre. You've just got window. this little kind of cross section of, of going on, of, of and obviously life. in the background I can hear the beeping of the hospital beeping and the murmur, mm, those the classic, s- classic hospital sounds. sounds. Of it's neon. It's white. It's clean. Suddenly I'm interested in cleanliness. Yep. I'm looking around. It must be a horrible experience to go into some sort of surgery and see things are dirty. That would not be very company. No. Uh, so, so, so I lay there and then I just had a moment about five seconds of just like, I might die. I'm ready for this. No, no I just had a moment of I like, might die. what if I die? Or just I did something about going into the surgery, something about yeah. doing that. And it made me consider things like, well, this is what it must be like when you're getting close to death or that you're in hospital and you're by yourself and you're going into surgery. didn't last very long, that feeling. But I just, Interesting, had, this, yeah. I just had this little thought of, oh, this is what it's like. This must be what it's like. And at some point... That sort of deep sense of like vulnerability. Being in the hospital. I yeah. Think, I think it was and, in a hospital environment. And your whole life is sort of in someone else's hands. Not that your whole life was in that, but... But loss of control. Because you don't have any control. Yeah, exactly. Not loss of control. The whole, and the I whole... can't even control my bowel at this no. point, let alone what's about to happen. No. But I wasn't alone because in Australia there's 500,000 colonoscopies per year. Right. I worked, out, well, I worked it out. That's 253 per hour in a working week. At that point, 
There were 126 people in the same position as what I was about to gain across for the a, country. Across the country, about to gain for a colonoscopy. Hashtag United. <laughs> Next thing, the anaesthetist comes out. I always find it hard to say Can that. I practice word. that again. Can you say anaesthetist? Anaesthetist. Anaesthetist. As the anaesthetist comes out, he talks to me briefly, a little chit chat. You know, ask me, ask me a few questions. Again, ask me what procedure you're having again today. Having hemorrhoids. By this point, I'm getting a little sick of saying it. Yeah. Uh, you need like a little placard. Like yeah. Hemorrhoids guy. Yeah. This, there he is over there. Yeah. Then they wheel me in. I didn't realise I was so close to surgery. There was like a room with doors open. It's like the McDonald's drive-through, like these stations that you're working through as you slowly get toward the goal of and you don't realize, shit. And you don't realise how close you are. To the action. I was only like two minutes. Like it was right there. It was just there. right there. Yeah, but I didn't put that together. You could like put your ear up and hear For that. some reason, I, I was thinking I was going to be, you know, sort of it was, gurneyed along yeah. further into surgery. In yeah, fact, yeah. it was like, oh. Deep into the bowels We're of the hospital. There. So we go in there. There's, oh, I think there's probably two nurses in there. The anaesthetist is there. Dr. Boyd comes over. Oh, I've heard a lot about you. Boydie, yeah, yeah. I've yeah, heard yeah. a lot about you. Yeah, You're yeah. a gallbladder man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, introduce himself. Josephine's so happy with your gallbladder work. Has a lovely demeanour about him. Yeah. You know, which which you would hope. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. That, that vulnerable, calm, vulnerable, calmed yeah. you a little yeah. bit. He asked me again what I'm having done again today. It's like, fuck, and I'm having the hemorrhoids torn out of my ass. <laughs> hemorrhoids? And <laughs> I'm having the hemorrhoids done. <laughs> and I'm having a colonoscopy. A little bit of liposuction, hopefully, too, while I'm here. He, uh... He outlines the risks. Ass implants. He... <laughs> I'm I'm getting ass implants, Doctor Boyd. I've always wanted them. I've always thought my ass was a little anemic, and I just need to fill it out. I don't fill out my shorts. Have you ever thought about having an ass implant? That's, that's a topic for another conversation. He says to me, "The only risk is that um, we can tear your bowel while we're doing this. While we're doing this procedure." And he said, and "If that happens." Then we have to go back in and do surgery to repair your bowel, and it's quite serious. And he said, "Don't worry, it's never happened before, and I'm not planning on starting now." And I thought, "Bet you use that line on all the patients." I've used this before, yeah. And he just comes over. He goes, "Okay, we're just going to put this in into your arm." Yep. That's it. Next thing, I'm groggy. I'm looking around. I'm in a different room. There's a nurse standing next to me, and I'm coming. I'm coming too. After the procedure, there was no. Wow. There was no need to, you know. I think in the past you count down, you go five, yeah. four, three, two, one, ten, nine. This was just like, yeah, lights out, and then it was over. So then I'm back in this other space with a nurse next to me, and it's and it's and we're done. And really groggy, like really, you know, really out of it, not really knowing what's going. On. Everything's sort of a bit surreal, and just incredible pain in my stomach. Oh, really? Like really pain in my stomach. Yep. And. Really felt like I needed to go to the toilet, as the, as the nurse as the nurse had said to me. I promised um, I wouldn't rupture your bowel, now, but sorry. And what's happened is, see, during the procedure, they also they they shoot air up into your bowel to inflate it as well. Ah, uh, yeah. Which maybe where blowing hot wind up your ass comes from. Could be. They do that, and I think that might have been causing the the stomach discomfort, along with the ligation, which was making me feel like I wanted to go to the toilet, and and a bit of pain. In the I just can't believe you've gone well. through all this. This is huge. And the nurse comes, how are you feeling? And I was like groggy talking, oh, not really with it. And she goes, how are you feeling? And I said, oh, I feel like I want to go, I want to go to the toilet. And then from just over my right shoulder up pops the first nurse. Told you. 
Oh, yeah. He, we had him labelled as a... Tell, told you you'd feel like that. And it's like, great, thanks. Yep. Thanks. Yeah. But I, that, that's how I feel. I feel like I need to go to the toilet. And she's like, oh, don't worry, but feel free to break wind. <laughs> feel free. Feel free. That's, you know, feel free to break wind. Okay. So I'm lying there. Stomach's in pain. Then the doctor comes out, Dr. Boyd, he comes over and he starts, tell, he starts telling me, you know, we did this, we did the ligations here, we've checked everything out, everything's okay, you know, everything, everything's going okay um, and you need to come back and see me in a month. Why do doctors talk to people after they've been under straight away? It's like my ability to take that in was just so low. Like my cognitive function would have been about, I don't know, not you, much. Yeah, like but you still, remembered it. I did remember it because it's important. Yeah. But I just couldn't it wasn't respond. The time I to... couldn't respond. I couldn't ask. I didn't, you couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't right. Ask you couldn't questions. engage with it. No, yeah. it was just like he was talking to me. But what interesting what he did was he put his hand on my shoulder as he talked to me, and it just felt so reassuring. Did it? It really did. Like it really was a. I don't know. It was an unusual experience. How amazing! Just it just felt really like power of touch. Yeah, reassuring. Come back and see me in a month. And then did you fart? No, I've still got the real pain at this right. point. This goes on. Uh, you have to eat something. So they, they, they observe you for about 40 minutes and they wheel you into a different cubicle and you have to eat something. That's part of what you have to do before you can leave. They need to see that, that you eat something before you go. I don't know why, but they do. Okay. So, so they gave me some food. still had this pain in my stomach. still had the pain in my, my anus. Uh, and I was lying there. And that's why I said, okay, look, and I'm, I'm, I'm tied up to the machine and stuff as well, the heart monitor and all that sort of stuff. And they said, okay, look, you're going to be okay to go. Looks like you're okay to go. So I stand up, so I, so I sort of stand up, and then I just feel really groggy, and I felt like I'm going to faint. And I said, oh, I've got to lie back, I've got to sit back down. And I sit back down, and then I got really cold. Oh. My temperature just dropped through the floor. I was freezing. Wow. I was freezing. So suddenly the nurse, you know when they sort of pay attention, they're a lot more attentive. It's like, right. Something's actually happening. They here. went and got me some heated blankets. Oh. And they wrapped me up in these in, in warm blankets trying to, trying to get my temperature up. Um, and then they monitored me for another hour and a half or two hours I was laying there. I just could not get you stayed warm. stayed in the same spot. Same spot. Still had the stomach. And you couldn't. Break wind. Couldn't break wind. Even though you felt you were free to do so. Yeah, or felt like... The I, social conventions were right. lifted around not after, farting. After about, an, after about an hour, I did break wind. A small, a small amount broke wind. Some of the greatest did, farting in No, it wasn't, it, no? Was, it wasn't enough relief. I was still, I was still, in, I was oh, still in discomfort. Awful. The nurses were changing over a lot. Uh, with majority female nurses. In Australia, 90% of nurses are female. Yes. And what was interesting about this experience, it was like it was females all the way through up to the doctor. To the doctors. Yeah. So I'm lying there, I've broken wind, and you forget that it's a workplace as yeah. well. So like in the middle section, about ten metres away, it was like a middle cubicle. They were kind of milling around about three or four nurses, and they're talking about going out for dinner on Friday night. <laughs> Yep. And they're worried that Steve... And you're just overhearing this yeah. as you're freezing to death with this terrible stomach Yeah, <laughs> They're at the water cooler. They're worried that Steve says he's going to turn... Because he's going to go and then doesn't turn up and they have to pay for him. But they're worried about the Friday... These nurses are really worried about Friday night. Friday night, Steve, Steve he might he show up, coming. he might not. Are we going they to want to Steve to come? Are we, yeah. We're going we're to have to pay if he doesn't come. You That's know, happened before. You Should know I, what he's like. He's unreliable, Steve. Should I ring him? Should we, should we ring him? And I'm, and I'm just like, and I was like, I'll fucking ring him. Just, yeah. <laughs> just keep this conversation moving. <laughs> I'll, I'll pay for Steve to go if you can get rid of this stomach ache. Yeah, 
God. So they, they ring Steve and sort out. Steve is definitely... They literally did call Steve. They called him. Yeah. Just said, just checking to make sure... You're coming, that, mate. That you're right. And for them, it is just such a normal procedure what's going on. But for you, for me, because I have such limited experience with hospitals... It's completely uh, surreal and absurd almost. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're in, a, they're in a complete assembly line. Yeah. Just producing... Churn them and out. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, but but for the for the patient who's not used to this unusual experience, it's all foreign. It's all yeah. So it must be hard for them to to try and maintain that sense of newness for the yeah for the patient, and to still be caring and empathetic because they're just seeing it over and over yes. again. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I forgot to say when they stood me up. When they stood me up the first time, I looked back over on the bed and guess what I saw on the bed? A slight amount of. Faces. Nice. She was wrong. <laughs> I could I did need to go to the toilet. You did. <laughs> and that was because I didn't follow the instructions closely enough, which she didn't realise. Uh, yeah, and then they had to put a blanket over. I had to lie back down on top of it. Hang on. So this was after you woke up, you needed to go to the toilet. The whole time. The whole time. But you right? didn't. But and then, you, then I then I broke wind after lying there for yeah you know about an hour or so. Then when they stood me up and I got really cold and felt faint, I looked down at the bed and it was like, oh, there's a little mark on the the sheets. Ah, so they had to put a blanket over top of that and lie back. But lie. what instructions didn't you follow? The food ones, not stopping my diet two days early. Oh, you reckon that was what it was? Well, maybe. Uh huh. And the whole clearing. You're such the, a bad patient. All the clearing at the whole. The pre, you didn't the quite. white line. So uh, it wasn't quite as clear they're as like, uh, here's one. I've been caught out. Yeah. Eventually they said, look, look, you're right to go home, get up and get changed. It's like you've been in a time warp. I've just totally lost sense of time or what's going on. Um, they give me all the stuff and they sort of, and then I sort of sort of shuffle, I sort of walk, but sort of shuffle out to the waiting area where my... Uh, <laughs> dazed and confused. Dazed and confused, like... With my tail between my legs. Yes. Literally. Yes. Not anymore. No. Tailless. And I say hello to my partner. We go down to the car. Uh, just a little bit groggy. Then we walk over to the car. And I'm just about to get into the side of the car. And then I just fall over. Oh, right. I just, I just fell down. I was just I lost my balance and just fell down on the ground. Whoa. And... I yeah. feel like your that's level what, of care was kind of not quite where no, it should have been. No, I think it was. That's why someone has to take you home. That's why you're not allowed to drive afterwards. But someone perhaps should have escorted you to the car if you're falling. Imagine if you were older and fragile and you'd fallen over. They probably... They that would probably, have, maybe they would have taken you yeah, out, but... Maybe they would. It wasn't a bad fall. I just sort of fell down. Kind of stumbled. I fell down and really I was just test driving the new anus. <laughs> that's, that's what I landed on. <laughs> but that was all right. There was no pain. Got in the car, drove home. Recovery proceeded over the, the next couple of days. Slowly started to feel better. Just yesterday, my seven-year-old daughter, was she was driving along and she said, am I not supposed to tell people about you going in for the colonoscopy? Right. And I, and I said, oh, why? She goes, oh, because someone asked why you're away. And I, and I told them, you know, that you're having, you know, having that, that procedure. And my initial reaction was like, oh, I don't know if I want people to know that. And I said to her, well... Yeah, it's okay. It's it's okay that you've told people, but other people might be sensitive about that and maybe you might want to ask before you talk about it. And interestingly, after all the thinking I've been doing about this, I still, my initial reaction was still one of embarrassment. Try and work against that pattern of being reluctant and, and pushing back against that um, cultural script around masculinity being 
tough, self-reliant and actually, I don't know, embracing our vulnerability. And I look forward to getting a text from you one day saying, I've got hemorrhoids. I've actually just remembered something. When you said anusol, I've actually had hemorrhoids before. <laughs> this is so weird. After all this. <laughs> how, was, how long ago was this? It was a few years ago. I was in Thailand. I was having, and I was walking around a lot, just having to sort of put my fingers up my butt because it was so itchy. <laughs> I was like, just like walking around, <laughs> just sort of going, Fuck, like... Yes. It's like, did you have that? No. Didn't have that part of it, no. I was just sort of like trying to get something out of my ass all the time. Uh, I can't believe I just hadn't realised this. You, you've just put it into, you've blanked it out. And I had to go to the Thai chemist and try and explain to the chemist, who yeah. didn't speak much English, that I had hemorrhoids. <laughs> so there was a fair bit of kind of like a- acting out. And did you receive anusol as a Yeah. Relief? It's a global brand. It's flying it's off the a, shelves. It's, it's hugely popular across yeah, the right. globe. Yeah, right. So. I've been there. Three and four adults. Oh, maybe I should have got a colonoscopy. It's plenty of time. I better put myself into <laughs> Dr. What was it? Ruby. Boyd. Or Boyd. Ruby? 